And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Mr. Scott, shall we give the Enterprise a proper shakedown? I would say it's time for that, sir. I... Before this drama unfolds, we give welcome to the ones named Kirk and Spock. You! What planet is this? Which one of you is the captain? violate the treaty, Captain. Sir, someone is stealing the Enterprise. What are you scratching at? <laughs> Humans make illogical decisions. Distract sequence completed and engaged. No! Yes, I found it! And welcome to Star Trek Monthly Monday, number 52, the Star Trek, the original series edition. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I am here with my shipmate, Scott Gardner. Uh, hi. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's going to be a long voyage. <laughs> I just thought I would shake it up a little bit. Oh, I, li- I listen back to old episodes, and it's like every intro, is, and I'm like, hey, how's it going, or something like that, so I thought I'd shake it up a little bit. Sounds, How do you like that? shook your brain up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, how's it going? <laughs> so after, after you know, we last month we did a, just to sort of, uh, um, you know, I don't want to say look forward to or to, but just to sort of anticipate the beginning of, of the showing of Into Darkness, we did the original Wrath of Khan commentary, but now this month we're back on format. So you're going to get real episode of Real Trek. Mm-hmm. TV Trek with William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy and all the yumminess. And, uh, and DeForest Kelly as the beaver. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think who would be the Eddie Haskell of the Enterprise now. Sulu. Sulu. <laughs> Good morning, Captain Kirk. What a lovely looking ship it you have here. <laughs> it's a fine day for us for a five year mission, isn't it? Can Mr. Sulu come out to play? 
You're the most scrutable man I know. <laughs> oh, this one's going to be a weird episode, I can tell already. Yeah, yeah, we're covering a weird episode, but we'll get to that later. But uh, before we do, I guess we usually talk about Trek stuff. I don't have anything really new Trekkie besides saying um, it's probably out by now by the time this comes out. Um, but uh, it's not out by the time we're recording it. But... Uh, by the time you hear this, it should be out. We have an Into Darkness review show with eight Demonzacorp nerds all weighing in. And if you've ever seen pictures of the Demonzacorp employees, you know when they weigh in. <laughs> one at a time, please. One at a time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a doozy. It's a, it's, 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 Yeah. We uh go at it. So if you go to two truefreaks.com, you can you can find it there and I, I strongly advise you go go see it and if you've seen the movie, uh, you know, it's full top to bottom with spoilers. So it's mostly for those who don't plan on seeing the movie, don't care about spoilers or already seen the movie. But yeah, we hit the spectrum <laughs> on that show. <laughs> From no sir, I don't like it to yeah, I liked it a lot. So, hmm. and not a lot in between. It's it's <laughs> yeah, you'll have to listen to it. I don't want to say any more because I, I I don't I'll spoil the movie, but I don't want to spoil our show about the movie with spoilers. If you right, if that makes any sense. <laughs> now you said that. Uh... That that one is, uh, you know, speaking of of spoiling and, and warning that sort of thing. That that not one is most children. definitely not kid friendly. Yes, no. yeah, it's probably not safe for work. Either, I had worked so. at a weekend long rib fest over Memorial Day weekend, slinging ribs. So Sunday was my last day there, so I'd worked probably 11, 12 hours, something like that. Got up at the ass crack of dawn, and like immediately came home, had to um. You know, get all set up and do, and do the podcast immediately. So I was punchy. I was not. I thought I would be too tired for it, but it actually is. You know that that burst of energy you get when when you're just utterly exhausted. Right. That's that's what I had. So so we had to limit all the reviews. Everybody gave a review at the beginning, and and I was like, let's limit it to five minutes because I knew I was gonna go last. And in that state, if I wasn't limited to five minutes. It was going to be like two hours and about 40 minutes into it. It would be just incoherent rambling or more incoherent rambling than usual, (laughs) but it was fun. It was fun and it's no holds barred. Whatever the hell that means. (laughs) I've never understood what that means. Yeah, I know. Well, I really don't have anything new uh, Star Trek-wise. You know, in the world of Star Trek, sad to say, there's just uh, nothing nothing new Trekkie going on for me lately. But uh, I have to say that, uh, you know... Now, I apologize ahead of time that uh, some of you guys are probably... You know, if you listen to all of our output, if you listen to all of our different shows, you guys are probably sick of hearing about this by now. <laughs> but I'm not sure if we've mentioned it on Star Trek Monthly Monday yet. So that for those of you that only listen to Star Trek Monthly Monday, 
just want to throw it out there that we have moved. We are no longer at twotruefreaks.libson.com. We are now located at twotruefreaks.com. We got our own house, man. We have our own place now. No more Renton. We went and bought our own place. So that's where you can find us. Now, I guess that always begs the question that, you know, if you don't know that, how the hell did you find the episode? But I got to think, we do post the episodes up in a number of different places, you know, we put up Facebook links and that sort of thing. So it's possible that you stumbled into this episode without going to the new home. So if you plan to subscribe to the show, and we sure hope that you do, then uh, make sure that you subscribe to twotruefreaks.com because we will no longer be putting up new content at our old home over at the Libsyn site. So yeah. just wanted to mention that real quick. And if you're going to do it through iTunes, we're at two, uh, our, our feed is Two True Freaks 2 the number two yes the number two and um and if you're listening in on itunes be sure if you really want to do us a solid um go and give us a review because that helps when it not only does it help people see what the show is all about but uh, i guess the more reviews you get the more it bumps you up the ladder on itunes to where you're more visible so, now, aren't we still doing that promotion where where every positive review they get a new car or something like that? Something like that. that. I gotta check with Demanzo and see what the budget says about that and what the de- definition of new car is. <laughs> right. How far we can stretch that definition and stuff. But for now, I'll safely say yes. A brand new car for everybody who leaves a a, glowing a new review. car. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Well, what else have we got before we get into this thing? That's about all I got. I heard um, I heard we got actually some emails. <gasps> we do. We're actually a little overdue for uh, for getting to our email section, so I do apologize. The, uh, the inbox is light, but we do have something that's been sitting there for a while. So, uh, again, apologies that we haven't gotten to this sooner, but... Uh, what I like to do a lot of times with the emails is kind of let them stack up a little bit. And uh, sadly, they hadn't really been stacking <laughs> up. So this one this one goes back a couple of months, actually. Um, so uh, I'll apologize to the author here, who is uh, Brian Hughes, wrote us. This was back on March 19th. So that tells you how far behind we are on these. But this is the only one that uh, is Star Trek TOS related. And that's arguable too because it actually mentions Picard. So it could actually go in either show, but I figured we'd address it here because it has a very specific focus that I I think you'll understand here in a moment. So the title on this one threw me because it's actually titled Episode 99 Comet. And I'm thinking, huh? Because we're only up to 52 in Star Trek Monthly Monday. So does he mean Episode 99? That could be too. But I'm thinking maybe he means like Two True Freaks episode 99, in which case that's going back a hell of a long way because we're at, what, like 341 or something like that now? It's something crazy. Well, he uh, (laughs) he doesn't even address you. He addresses me. He says, Dear Scott Gardner, he says, I've been (laughs) catching up on my my Trek podcast from my site. Now, I want to stop right there. What site is this, Brian? Write and let us know what site you're talking about, because that threw me right at the beginning. I don't just this just reads funny to me. It says I have been catching up on my Trek podcast from my site. I'm not sure what you mean by that. Is there like a site that we show up on of all Trek related stuff or something? I really don't know. Anyway, he continues and have really enjoyed them. 
despite my differences of opinion with you. Uh-oh. Oh, well, I... okay. Now it's now I'm not so... Um... <laughs> oh, you're going to love He's this. He's not talking to me. You're going to love this next bit. He says, I typically agree with Honeywell <sighs> on his points. Yes. All right. <sighs> got a good one. Jesus. You're one of the good eggs. You can't even form a coherent point most of the time. No, oh, man. He re Jesus. We reach, brother. <laughs> <laughs> he continues. He says, uh, I think we could have some really spirited conversations. All in good fun, mind you. Oh, of course, of course. He says, I noticed your little rant about Picard surrendering way too often in Next Gen. I had this discussion with a friend of mine little years rant. back. <laughs> Come <laughs> <know>. on, dude. <laughs> That was a massive, huge honking rant. It's a continuing it's a rant. a big, veiny, thick, gooey rant. <laughs> Dripping and angry. Since I had this discussion with a friend of mine years back and even made him a, a clip video showing Captain Kirk in the following movies. Looks like Picard was just following Kirk's lead. All right. So this is what he's got. So Star Trek The Motion Picture. <laughs> Kirk surrenders to V'ger. Star Trek II, Kirk surrenders to Khan. Star Trek III, Kirk surrenders to crew. Star Trek IV, Kirk surrenders himself and the crew to Starfleet. Star Trek V, Kirk surrenders to Cybok. Star Trek VI, Kirk surrenders to Chang. Star Trek Generations, Kirk doesn't surrender, so he dies twice. <laughs> he says, yes, I know. He didn't die at the beginning. Uh, it just looked like it. He says, I was trying to make it funny. Okay, I got to go back. And address these individuals. A lot of those okay. surrenders were trick surrenders, were fake surrenders, were time That's, buyers, yep. and not actual surrenders. So Star Trek The Motion Picture, he says, Kirk surrenders to V'ger. <clears throat> Kirk does never surrenders to V'ger. Never, never, never. As a matter of fact, he tricks V'ger into allowing him and the landing party to go down inside of V'ger to talk to V'ger directly in an attempt to stall for time and to try to figure out a way to save the Earth. So, no, he does never surrender to V'ger. Star Trek II, Kirk surrenders to Khan. Yes, he does. No, I, I'll give you that one. Star Trek III, Kirk surrenders to Krug. <clears throat> he does not surrender to Krug. The Enterprise is mortally wounded, and so they're left basically, you know, they're, what does Kirk say? There's that, uh, he says, we're a sitting duck, he says. So again, he stalls for time, tricks Krug into basically beaming everybody over there except uh, Krug himself and uh, Maltz, the, the transporter chief. Kills all the other Klingons by blowing up the Enterprise. I don't believe the word surrender is ever used. So that may be arguable to some people. To me, I don't see that as a Kirk surrender at all. I see that again as he, he tricks his way it's out of it. a maneuver, thing. yeah. Uh, Star Trek Four: Kirk surrenders himself and the crew to Starfleet. I guess that depends on your interpretation. I don't see that so much surrendering as he's answering for his actions. You know, he he understands there's a chain of command. There's going to be, you know, he. I think he perfectly understands when he steals the Enterprise and everything he does in Star Trek Three that he's gonna there have are going to, to be at the end if, of it. Yeah, yeah, consequences. He's going to have be to be at the end and say, okay, I did this, now do whatever you will with me. Right. That's one of the reasons I, I love Kirk, and that's one of the reasons I, I hold him up as one of my role models and, and one of, I think, one of the great role models of what a hero really is, is someone that realizes that if I do bad things, there are going to be consequences. And I like that. He's, he does not shy away from the fact that 
I done something wrong. Granted, something good came out of it. He saved his friend and things like that. But at the end of the day, he still mans up and faces the consequences of his actions. I love that. I, I love that about Kirk. I think that's great. So, I, again, I don't really see that as a surrender. You know, your interpretation may vary. Star Trek V, Kirk surrenders to Cybok. Eh, that's, a, that's my biggest one. No, he never surrenders to Cybok. That's the whole point of that scene where Cybok... Uh, you know, has the moment with McCoy where McCoy relives his father's death and he has the moment with Spock where Spock relives his birth and his father's disappointment with him right from the womb. But Kirk, Kirk never surrenders. Kirk even denies Cybok that moment and he holds on to his anger. He never surrenders to him. There's a difference between Kirk for the moment being kind of helpless to do anything with the situation because he's outmanned and outgunned, but... He never surrenders to Cybok. So that, that one was a big one to me. I would definitely argue that one. Um, Star Trek VI, Kirk sur surrenders to Chang. I don't know that he so much surrenders to Chang. He does surrender. But again, if you look on the, um, on the album, on the, on the soundtrack album, the, the name of that track, I believe, is Surrender for Peace, if I'm not mistaken. That's how I kind of look at that situation. Yes, he does surrender. But he surrenders He's for the greater one for the team. But that's exactly. still a surrender. You could you could write off oh, a lot of Picards as that too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but no. I mean, I'm I'm just saying. I agree that is a surrender. However, there's a bigger picture involved there. It's not because he was you know being a puss or something. It was because he sees the bigger picture. They don't need to start a new war. Um, Star Trek and then Generations. He said no. Kirk doesn't surrender, so he dies twice. <laughs> Uh, he continues, he says, but you have to admit, once you uh, got to the movies and Kirk had gotten older, he was more likely to. No, no, he was. No, I don't. I <laughs> totally disagree with that. No. He says, though, like Picard, he never gave up. That is absolutely true, except that Picard gave up all the time. Uh, please let me know. Never you did give up. This. Always surrender. Uh, he says, I had, <laughs> I had sent an email in the past regarding back to the bins. And have no idea if you got it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll have to look back through and see uh, if that was one that we did address. Sometimes we get a little bit behind in our emails, but we really do try to address them, I promise. And again, that was from uh, Brian Hughes. Thank you, Brian. I, that, I really enjoyed your email, though, very much. You That's too, pretty much... especially me, since I uh, keep the kind <laughs> words coming. <laughs> That's pretty much emails for the TOS edition of the show. You got anything else? Nah. Well, why don't we take a little break for station identification, and then we'll come back and get into the uh, episode proper. What do you say? All right. Sounds good to me. All right. Oh. 
and we're going to get into the show proper. This month, our random Star Trek computer has, I, I believe it's Season 1, Episode 16, The Galileo 7. Captain's Log, Stardate 2821.7. Seven of our shipmates still have not been heard from. Our normal searching systems, useless. Do you know what you've done? You've concerned yourself with only seven people. You said something about a needle in a haystack. It's useless. If they're not there, Commissioner, and they're dead by now. We'll use virtually every piece of equipment aboard this craft in attaining orbit. You mean three of us must stay behind? Yes. And who's to choose? As commanding officer, the choice will be mine. Prepare to abandon search. Set course for Marcus 3. Go back! It's getting hot. And 16, 17, something like that. Something yeah. around there. And uh, bringing you the synopsis, Mr. Scott Gardner. Synopsis. <laughs> Let's see. On our li- okay, yeah, you were right. On our list, it was sixteen. For some reason, I got seventeen somewhere today, but I don't know why. But yeah, it was number sixteen. Yes, the Galileo Seven. Okay, so this uh, synopsis is from the Nitpicker's Guide for Classic Trekkers by Phil Farrand. It says encountering a quasar-like formation on the way to the planet Marcus Three, Kirk dispatches shuttlecraft Galileo to investigate. Unfortunately, the formation grabs hold of the Enterprise and sucks it inside. The formation has ionized all the surrounding area of space, making the ship's sensors useless. On top of this, the Enterprise carries medical supplies that must be delivered to Marcus III on schedule, limiting the crew's search time. On the Galileo, Spock and Scott assess uh, the damage caused by their crash landing on an unknown planet while two other officers scout uh, scout out the land. A giant spear kills one of them almost immediately. Evidently, the planet is home to a race of savage giants. Needing fuel, Scott suggests uh, draining the energy from the hand phasers, even though they are the only source of protection for the shuttle crew. When the shuttle starts lifting off, the giants grab, uh, grab onto it and hold it down. Seeing no alternative, Spock engages the thrusters. The action burns a great amount of fuel, but it allows them to break free. The shuttle achieves orbit, but the Enterprise has already left for Marcus III. In one last desperate attempt, Spock jettisons the remaining fuel and ignites it. The giant flare draws Sulu's attention, and Kirk instantly turns the ship around to rescue them. That's actually a pretty good, uh, pretty decent synopsis there. For once, that one's about right on. Yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good one. So what did you think of the gal? Now, let me ask you right out of the shoot. Did you see the enhanced version yes, of Yes, I this? did. Isn't it gorgeous? Lots of enhancements. A little bit like the shuttlecraft. I wasn't... The shuttlecraft was a little too CG. Yeah. I like the old shuttlecraft that was just sort of on a string and... Bunk, clunky. It didn't look as clunky. <laughs> Even if they CG'd it and made it look a little... It looked a little sleeker, you know what I mean? Yeah. But other than that, like, the quasar effect was gorgeous. 
the uh, the igniting the the jettisoned fuel mm-hmm. effect was really cool. That that really blew. Well, me when away. they I cut back from impressed. it and you just saw the straight line going across the planet, that mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was beautiful. Um, yeah. Not a lot that they could do for the giant ape men. <laughs> I think that is the thing that always hurt this episode when I was a kid, and the reason I never held this one in very high regard. No, it was one to that, laugh at. Laugh it, it our asses is. off as a kid. Scotty and I watched this this afternoon when he got home from school, and while we both enjoyed the episode, dude, we were rolling. Especially <laughs> when he was coming at him with his arms up like a old bat, like an Ed Wood movie monster. It reminded me of, I mean, I would not have been at all surprised if the monster at some point had turned around and it was Bigfoot from the six million dollar man wearing a fur coat. Because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what it looked like. Like it a did go star vest from Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, <laughs> dude, we were rolling because... One of the big subplots in this episode is Spock. Again, this is kind of this is still proto Spock. You know, he's still kind of getting the whole. You know, Nimoy is still kind of getting the whole routine down with Spock and like cementing his character and everything. So, in a lot of ways, he's still somewhere between like like the cage and you know where he would eventually go by like say season two. You know, he was still you know, forming his character. Right. So he's still a little prickish. He's still a little prickly around the edges and everything. And so a lot of the, the dramatic element of this one is with, uh, what's the black guy's name? Boma, I think was yeah. his name. And, uh, Gitano, Gitano giving him a hard time and like really giving him a lot of grief and a lot of pushback. Well, McCoy's riding him like a horse too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tell you, uh, McCoy's like McCoy's like that asshole that 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 fuels on the crowd. He doesn't say as much to Spock. Those guys, he just sits there and goes, "I told you he was a prick," you know. <laughs> it's but not I, the problem with his head; it's with his heart. It's just like Jesus Christ, man. Serious <laughs> Spock hating going on in this one. But I tell you something I never, ever would have picked up on when I was a kid had me in stitches this afternoon watching this episode. So Spock finally has a moment in about the middle of the episode where his composure breaks briefly and he kind of snaps at those two guys, basically letting them know. Look, I'm you're really getting on my nerves. You know, I'm really tired of your constant shit and your constant pushback. So he forms a little hunting party specifically with those two guys. Yeah, uh, I know. Where they right go where out. Going. Here's the yes. and they they fire some shots off to scare the guys, you know, the Bigfoot monsters away, and then Spock orders Gitano. All right, you stand here. We're going back to the shuttle. He leaves the guy to die. <laughs> yeah, don't don't screw with Spock. He'll leave you behind uh, on watch. And the guy who he just had words with, he's like, you stay here alone. And the other guy just gives him a little pat on the shoulder, like, nice knowing you, buddy. Well, did you see the look on Gitano's face? Yes, I mean, it's like, boy, if, if this wasn't 60s TV, I would totally expect him to be like, you've got to be friggin' kidding me. Are you what? 
He just has a mortified look on his face like, oh, I am so screwed. And guess what? He was, too. <laughs> he doesn't last 10 minutes. No, he, immediately they knock the phaser out of his hand with a rock, and then he does a <laughs> crawl up the crawl up the wall a little bit and then fall down and just turn around as the camera advances on him going, no, 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 no. <laughs> What I love is... <laughs> Ringo Starr's coming at him. Arms, just, it's just so, you know, they're just like, put your arms up in the air. And they're doing the forced perspective thing where he's really close to the camera. So he's supposed to be huge. Mm-hmm. But he starts advancing on the guy. And it's like, no, this is just a big guy in a suit, you know. And by the time he, <laughs> by the time he's looming over the guy and, and just like lunges in, it's just ridiculous. And no amount of, um, enhanced edition, you know, tomfoolery is going to fix that. So they, you know, as they always do with with that sort of stuff, they just, you know, they just left it and made everything else extra pretty. <laughs> but that that moment just absolutely killed me because it was, you know, just at the point where you're thinking, because I, I, I was, well, I, you I know, what know. else was a laugh riot are those spears, man. <laughs> you know, you know, there's guys off stage throwing those cardboard spears, and they don't fly like spears. They're just sort of hopped, so they land right. like they don't they don't go katang off something. They just land flat. So you know, there's just these guys like hucking spears from off stage, and to their credit, they knew they had no budget, and that these things look stupid. So. They didn't even bother to have like show a shot of them holding. A, well, they didn't bother to have a shot of more than one of them at a time. Um, them holding on to the shuttlecraft, you know, you saw it all from inside the shuttlecraft. And I think that worked to its advantage, you know, the whole mm-hmm. don't show the monster. I think they just never should have shown the monster ever. You know? Right. Just done the thing like I just I barely got a look at it. It was horrible. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and just have looming shadows and stuff and. And sound, you know, a uh, uh, giant creature striking from the mist all around, you know. But, right. But other than that, I think it was mostly about it was a it was a character developer for Mr. Spock, you know. Mm-hmm. And as such, I thought it was really good because it. What I liked about it is Spock was using his logic, and he was right, and and it turned into a big Spock hate fest which usually in star trek it's all about you know the human aspect of things being better you know and here we didn't have kirk to balance out spock and that dynamic wasn't really established as much here right that you needed the two of them what i loved about this is mr scott was right on mr spock's side you know, Scotty was just, Scotty was right on, he understood what, he's a scientist, a man of science. So he was like, all right, I see what Spock's doing. He's not going to dilly-dally around going, what are we going to do? There's monsters outside, you know, or, or what do you mean, Mr. Spock? You have no heart, you know, arguing about his heart or whatever. He's trying to figure out how to get out alive, you know, how to get the, mo- you, the most people that they can out of it alive and not have everybody die. And everybody else is just freaking out, except for Scotty, who's and you know and uh, uh, the 
Scotty, you know, if he does anything, he praises Mr. Scotty. But Spock, he goes, that was a brilliant idea. You know, you lit up a flare and all right, we'll feed the phasers in, you know, and and I, I liked where um, he's just like, can we electrify the hull? And Mr. Scott's just like, that we can. <laughs> so I love that Scotty's was like right on board with Spock and everybody else was kind of a crybaby, you know. And when I was a kid, I would have definitely been like Mr. Spock's being a prick. But he saved their asses and he saved, well, he didn't save everybody's asses, but <laughs> at the very beginning of it, you know, you look at that crew and you go, well, the chick's probably not going to buy it, but there's two guys in a red shirt and another guy there. And, and then when it's like, we're going to have to leave three people behind, it's like, hmm, I wonder who they'll be. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I liked it. I liked that their characters actually got developed before they got off for the most, for the most part. Except for the first guy who got skewered. And that Now that one is ridiculous because the monster barely lobs that spear at <laughs> no. all. It's just a complete like limp wristed kind of like eh, just throwing the thing. <laughs> and the next shot of the guy is the spears completely through his body. He's like, you know, it's like a it's it, it was such a joke, it was like the <laughs> You know, the fake arrow through the head kind of thing. You know, yeah, yeah. it looks ridiculous. <laughs> he falls off the off the mountain Aye! to yeah. his death. <laughs> and then they never show his body on the ground, but you can see the spear is sticking up in the ground because Spock pulls the spear out of the guy's body. So the guy got hit in the back, landed on his stomach. But then when they pick his body up to take him back to the shuttle, they pick him up. And he was laying on his back. So that totally doesn't work in any... It, right. it drove me crazy, that scene. Right. Well, and then when you look at the spear, and you see how much blood, how deep the blood is on it, it's like they stuck it through a cow or something. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> what kind of... How much blood does this guy have? Or, you know, does this... He didn't have a beer gut that I could see, you know, but it was like three feet of blood on that thing. Well, Scotty, you know, Scotty, my son, had a really good point. When uh, the two guys, uh, Boma and Gitano, pick that guy's body up to carry him back, since they're carrying him facing up and he got stabbed in the back, shouldn't like some blood or guts or something be Just running be out of this guy? out, yeah. Yeah, and, well, and there's nothing. Not on 60s TV. Yeah, exactly, but still, it's, it's pretty hard. You know, at least like have a red stain on the back of his shirt or something. Well, he had a there red was... shirt. That's why they gave him red shirts, man. So it wasn't as ugly. Did he have a red shirt? I don't remember, but that's... I can't remember, yeah. It works for the sake of the joke, so <laughs> go with it. <laughs> but uh, it's funny what you say about uh, about Scotty sticking up for, uh, for Spock, though, because I had the same note that at first, you know, McCoy... Because there was a scene early on that really bugged me where Spock says something, you know, and something he he's being logical, but he's also, you know, as you and I have discussed many times, it would I, I can see where it would kind of suck to be under Mr. Spock's command because yeah. he is kind of, you know, he's he's not emotional. So he's not going to take the emotional reaction. And he has a poor reaction too when people get emotional around him. So there's a little moment. Something happens. Spock wanders outside Everybody sits there talking shit about it. Yeah. And I'm thinking, okay, now that's very human. That happens. You know, your boss is an asshole and he wanders out of the room. Everybody's going to talk shit about him. Except 
if there's other managers around, that's not going to happen. And McCoy's sitting right there, and I think Scotty's in the scene too. McCoy's helping. Well, well yeah, Boma says something. McCoy actually pipes in. I'm thinking, no, that is incredibly unprofessional. However, it's saved a little bit later in the episode where somebody, and I think it's Boma again, gets all up in Spock's face. McCoy and Scotty, and Scotty comes charging in like he's ready to punch somebody out. They both come to Spock's uh, defense in that moment, and I really like that. And Scotty says something like, that's enough, mister, or something like that. I really liked that moment. And, uh... While I was looking around on the web today just for, you know, different things about the... Mostly I was looking up the different actors and stuff like that, but I came across something I did not know that I thought was really cool. Apparently in one of the uh, the novels, there's a novel called Dreadnought. I think I have this book, but I don't think I've ever read it. Anyway, in that book, um, Scotty has Boma brought up on charges for his actions in this episode, and they end up drumming him out of Starfleet because of it, which I was like, all right, I like that. I like Makes that. Sense. Like, there is an incredible well, is, amount of insubordination this in this is Spock, episode. Spock's first command, too. Yeah. This is Spock's first mission. And then I like when they're about to die, instead of McCoy being like, well, it's been nice to know all you guys. You know, get at peace with whatever gods you have. He just sits there riding Spock till the end. Well, Mr. <laughs> Spock, how do you, so ends your first command. How do you feel about that, Mr. Spock? <laughs> Screwed it up again. I told you, you sucked. You know, like, <laughs> he reminds me of, did you ever see The Hunt for Red October? A long time ago. There's a great part in that movie where, uh, where there's a big sub battle toward the end of it. And this one sub fires torpedoes and um, what's his name? James Bond. Uh, Sean, it, Connery. Sean Connery charges his his sub in at full speed at the torpedo. And what he's doing is he's gambling that he can close the gap before that torpedo arms, which he does. And it harmlessly bounces off his sub. So then the other commander recalibrates the torpedoes to activate pretty much immediately fires another torpedo this time sean connery tricks the torpedo into going back at the shut at the sub that fired the torpedo in the first place and there's a great moment just before they blow up where the second in command looks at the captain and goes you arrogant ass you've killed us and then they blow up and that's kind of what it reminds me of with yes. mccoy and this one he's kind of, you know like you say riding spock right to the end well yeah it's gonna be like the bitch. blues brothers where he turned to him and he goes i've always loved you <laughs> <laughs> pointy-eared freak. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we haven't addressed this yet, but meanwhile, back on the Enterprise, Coffee Girl's oh, back God. serving some coffee, but you've got just the standard Starfleet douche that's in all the Star Trek... It's in next. <laughs> he's in Next Generation 2. It's probably his, his you know, descendants... That just stands on the bridge, you know, going. And it's always medicine to some dying people. It's always something right. that, like, because you can't have an excuse of, like, it's, like, you know, space vodka going to Party Planet X. It has to be right. something where lives are at stake, you know. So. We've got to get these whores to the pleasure planet <laughs> tomorrow. Stat. And... <laughs> 
and they're always there just like you got two hours mister and for kirk to go i know how much time i have or for picard to go yes sir or whatever See, the, the problem with that scenario no it's funny that you say that because that is the very first note that i made for this episode is literally my note says is every federation ambassador an asshole because yeah, it sure they, seems they that just way. walk onto a ship and and start acting like it's there you know you know diddling around with the whole workings of the stuff and questioning everything and and all that with their fancy uniforms i mean look at that guy's uniform that's the fanciest starfleet uniform i've ever seen we're going to have to play a game from now on and and really be on the lookout for ambassador or you know federation representatives that aren't either assholes or psychotic because off the top of my head i can't think of any right it or seems like every time by somebody space parasites or something right yeah it seems like every time there's a you know someone of some importance on the enterprise they're always there to to rub kirk the wrong way and just mm-hmm. to irritate the hell out of him plus this guy looked like steve mcqueen's uglier brother which i you know I found amusing. He actually looked a little bit like Gary Seven, I thought. Oh yeah, you're right. He was like a he was like a rougher looking Gary Seven or something, but but yeah, he is. He's damn. I had another point. Now I completely lost what, <laughs> what my train of thought was. But um, oh well, I'll come back to it if I think of it. But yeah, it it is. It's just it's just really annoying with these people. Oh, I know what it was. Is that. You know, I I understand you you need to set up the premise uh, of the episode, and I, I imagine '60s TV was you know it it was different in the way shows were structured and everything. But there comes a point where you know I, I can see like maybe halfway through the episode, maybe refreshing the plot a little bit for people that may have tuned in late or something. But this thing with the ambassador, I mean, I should have counted. It had to have come up at least six times during the course of the episode. Kirk, we've got to get the blah, 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 blah. And we've got to get there by tomorrow. And it's like, yes, yes, ambassador. Yes, I know. I mean, that same scene, seriously, how many times did that play out during the course of this episode? I'm thinking at least six times. It's like, oh, I I get it now. And every time that would happen... And Kirk seemed like he was wearing a little bit thinner and a little bit thinner. Knowing Kirk the way that we do, I really expected there was going to come a point where he'd like take a poke at the guy or order him off the bridge. Order or him off the bridge until that yeah. two hours is up. I don't want to see your face on my bridge, mister. Yeah. And he never really does. He just kind of puts up with it and kind of rolls his eyes and, you know, lets out a big sigh. And that's about it. And then... They go back to the planet and what's going on with Spock and them. And then they go back to the bridge and replay that same exact scene again. It's like, oh, my God. It was, that, that part was driving me a little bit crazy. Well, there wasn't a lot to do, meanwhile, back on the Enterprise. Right. They had to cut away. <laughs> and I also wondered what the use of having, um, I can't remember the the character's name, but the woman that was on the, the shuttlecraft. I don't even know if she ever leaves the shuttlecraft during this show, if I can remember she does and it was one of the scenes that again see the problem with this one i like this episode but as much as it pains me to say this this could be a jj abrams directed episode because you kind of got to turn your brain off a little bit because if if you pay too much attention or or you basically if you think too much about this and while it's playing out it kind of falls apart 
because the the moment I know she went outside was a was a part uh, a point in the episode that I noted because they're all in the ship. Somebody and I think it's McCoy races in and goes, "There's something happening outside." So Spock goes out. Everybody else follows him. I think Scotty's the only one that stays in the shuttle because he's working. You know, he's busy trying to fix the ship so they can leave. Everybody goes outside. They all huddle in a very small group around that central rock. That's a great place for them all to die together. At one time, yeah. Yeah, it's like, why did everybody, including the girl, come out to this one tiny confined... I mean, it's like the perfect kill zone for where they come out to. And it was really stupid. And and I didn't understand, you know, the necessity for everybody to come out when essentially it was McCoy getting Spock to say, hey, you got to come check this out. It was really, really bizarre scene. I did not understand that. But, you know, to your point about what was her purpose, I, I don't remember what they say her purpose was. But along those lines, I mean, unless I missed something. Anything. Well, it wasn't the point of this whole shuttlecraft mission. And, and again, this, this was a point I, I think I missed it at some point. But wasn't it essentially they were just going to check out this the, that green space phenomenon, whatever the hell that thing yes. was? Out, yeah. So what the hell is McCoy and, and Scotty doing? As, I mean, huh? You're going to take along your chief engineer and your chief medical officer on a, a, a survey to look at a quasar? The hell was that all about? Well, they needed Jiminy Cricket there, and they needed someone to fix the ship. Well, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. So they're, you know, they're, they're being set up for things that they're going yeah. to help. Meanwhile, she doesn't later do, in the episode. She doesn't do anything. She doesn't really get involved in the Spock hating. She doesn't even have like any kind of major flip out or come up with any ideas or anything. She's just sort of there. Right. Or she doesn't serve as uh, some monster food. <laughs> Nothing. She's pretty. That's a good point. Typically, she would be the one that would be, you know, at in some danger. point in the episode, running along and trip and fall to the ground right. while the monster, you know, clumsily stalks in on her and well, screams and does some screaming. Speaking yeah. of the, these monsters and clumsily stalking, is these guys are smart enough to make, sew their own Ringo star vests <laughs> and to make shields <laughs> out of wood and leather, but they're not smart enough to figure out that you do not throw your shield at something. That's not what a shield is for. It's not like you throw your spear at the red shirt. These guys huck their shield at him for no reason at all other than to have him sort of like, you know, run past the giant shield prop. But what was that all about? I mean, they're they're obviously, you know, un, undeveloped um, savages, but... I don't know. Captain America throws his mighty shield. So. <laughs> yes, these definitely were not Captain America. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't understand. They that obviously either. had plenty of spears. I liked how Spock hucked a spear back at him once too. <laughs> well, did you see the one that hit the edge of one of the styrofoam rocks and, and like took a big chunk out of out, it? Out of it? Yeah, that probably didn't even show up on our TVs, you know, back in the day. Right. But yeah, big white chunk comes off it. Yep. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Some good spears. <laughs> yeah, you could tell the the cardboard was slightly harder than the than the styrofoam. Now here's one for you. I I, 
again, I don't know that this would have occurred to me as a kid watching this, but it definitely struck me today. All right, so here is is, is something that's that's constructed to survive the rigors of outer space. And I mean, space is is not a friendly or forgiving place. You know, it's full of all kinds of deadly little radiations. Of and, yeah, little piece, you know, meteorites and micrometeor, you know, all these things that all are conspiring to kill you in a thousand different ways. Yeah. Radiation. So, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, a, a, a spacecraft, whether it's the Enterprise or whether it's the shuttle, has to be durable. It has to be well constructed. It has to be built you know, in such a way as to survive these rigors to, to keep the people inside of it alive. So are these giant assholes beating on it with a rock really a threat? Because everybody seems pretty concerned when the guy's up there banging on the hull with the big boulder. Now, granted, you don't want him to dent your ride, but seriously, I mean, the, that thing can't take just, you know, a, a, a larger humanoid banging on it with is it really that flimsy and delicate that that guy's a serious threat because that to me is completely friggin ridiculous well i mean it is sort of like i mean it could probably take a blow but a repetitive beating on one spot by a giant rock yeah maybe you know i guess it's 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 for dramatic effect i i like that scene because the, the only thing is, is I remember it being more dramatic. I remember, like, when they hit the electricity that you heard, like, right outside. <laughs> it wasn't really. They just turned the light switch on and off outside, and and then they stopped shaking the set, and they go, okay, w- that worked. Now, granted, it could be some sort of, I don't know what you want to call like, trace memory or something. But it's funny. There was that one scene where the thing's beating on it, and then we go to a commercial break, and then when we come back, in, in between that part, I said to Scotty, who was sitting next to me watching the episode, I said, why the hell don't they just electrify the hull and scare that thing away? And, of course, that's just what they end up doing. So, I, again, I don't know if I subconsciously remembered that that's what they did or not, but I was proud of myself that that was the, the solution they went with. But I would, have much, I would enjoy that scene that much more. If Spock, you know, if everybody was freaking out and they, you know, they're rocking back and forth and everybody's all, you know, scared out of their wits and Spock had just been like, you know, that that hull's made out of solid bullshitium. Let him knock on it till his, you know, his his hands fall off. He's not going to hurt this shuttle. You know, I think that would have been a better way for that scene to play out because that does seem, I don't know, if he was beating on the glass, it'd be different, but he's beating on the hull. I mean, that just seems like. That's not a very sturdy spacecraft if yes. you know, a giant rock is going to hurt it. But. Well, come on. After a crash landing, all the panels fly off the walls and just sit there in a mass of wires. <laughs> this, this is very true. This is very true. I liked how everybody was like holding something like they all like you don't see the crash. You just see the after you see them riding one second and then a cutaway to the Enterprise and cut back and they're all laying on the floor and their chairs are all overturned their office chairs and uh you know like it looks like one guy's nursing a broken hand but everybody's like nope fine up nope, just a little bump on the head he is the only guy that mccoy doesn't check on and he's clearly the most in pain <laughs> of all of them I, it was really i was amused by that i thought that was very funny um i've never really liked the whole thing where where Scotty drains the phasers 
to get the power for the ship. That seems like a bit of a stretch. To I me, always you know? remember him actually sitting down there and going and shooting the phasers like down into it. But apparently that's not that's not how it went down. Eh, it makes it makes sense. They're full of energy. You know, Luke used took his blaster and charged up his lightsaber. Yeah, I know, but I mean that would be like taking like your your iPod and and charging your car battery. <laughs> yeah, something, you know. Well, it's just... I don't know. A phaser's pretty, you know, does does a bit of damage. You know, even in the future, you're still going to need a lot of energy to right to melt through. You know, so who knows? And they and they were also looking for just enough to get to get up there you know it was just uh it was basically getting enough juice just to kick over the starter in a car or whatever I'm yeah that's sure, i'm not sure how it worked you know how their whole energy system works but you know it's it was all a plot device anyway right but that was a good plot device because it takes away the you know it gives you a dilemma it's like you know we have it's going to take this long to drain those these and that leaves us without weapons well didn't um didn't McCoy have a tricorder on him? You're right, he did. Why the hell didn't they drain the tricorder? Yeah. You know, drain that and first, and then maybe you'd be yeah, maybe you'd be left with at least one phaser that you you could still hold on to to, to defend yourself. You know, theoretically. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. That did strike me as a little bit strange. Um, I did note that everybody is in this one. You know, I mean, of course, Chekhov's not because he hadn't joined the cast yet, but everybody else is there. You know, you got uh, Kirk, Spock, McCoy, Uhura, um, Sulu, Sulu. doesn't get a lot to do. Scotty. He's there. Yeah, he's there. And uh, something really struck me today. I know this is kind of a morbid thought, but I, I couldn't help but, but notice it. In the part, all right, so they get off the planet and they achieve their shaky orbit. And they're not going to last very long. And Spock's basically telling them what they can expect, you know, if if this doesn't work. And then they start to, uh, you know, their orbit decays. They start to descend back into the atmosphere and they're talking about how hot it's getting and all that. It suddenly occurred to me that since that show has been made, we've actually had astronauts die this way. Yeah. And that's kind of creepy now that you think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And they probably had. Yeah. They probably had time to discuss it, too. Like. Yeah. That uh, so yeah. Except yeah. there's nobody to beam them. Yeah, no. A second. It is it's sad. Well, I guess that kind of occurred to me too because the um in um the ne- the next gen episode that we're going to discuss, I think the uh the shuttle in that one if I'm not mistaken, I think is named after one of the astronauts from which would it be the Challenger, I think. What was the first one? It was Challenger, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it's from the Challenger. So it was kind of on my mind, you know what I mean? But uh, like I said, not to be morbid, but that definitely that thought definitely occurred to me. I was like, yikes, you know, this is, you know, once again, Trek mirroring real life in a, in a weird sort of way. But uh, really, the last thing I've got on this one, other than it having this, this has got a goofy ending. I really never like these, like, oh, Mr. Spock kind of goofy, you know, well, everybody's chuckling endings. This one was really weird because it went into the silent mode and Shatner was doing the ha 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 ha. Whoa! Ha, 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 ha. Right, yeah. You know, yeah, everybody he's... was really hamming up the. Because mm-hmm. it was, 
it was a chuckly little joke that he made, you know, right. it was like, oh, Mr. Spock. But this was everybody. Maybe it was because they'd all been so stressed out that they were blowing <laughs> right. steam or something. But like Uhura's actually like laughing and pointing at Mr. Spock, you know, right. It was it was just bad improv, you know. It was really bad, yeah. Because Scotty, if you next time you watch this, look at Scotty in the background. He's he's back there just running. He's like, oh, that's a knee slapper, baby, and he's just like really playing it up like Hands this is just belly. hysteric. Yeah, it's it's really bad. <laughs> but you know, there's the moment toward the end of the episode where, all right, so Sulu sees the flare. They zoom in. Transporters work and they beam everybody out. And then the transporter room calls up to the bridge, says something to Kirk. I, I forget the exact line, but essentially says, you know, we got all five people off the shuttle. And Kirk has this big shit-eating grin. He's like, all right, well, now we can get underway. They're, you know, and they, they fly off. And that's basically the end of the episode until they come back and have their little chuckle. What the hell is he so happy about? They left with more than five people. So I would think his first question would be, um... Wait a minute. You had to bury <laughs> two dead? people. Yeah, you had yeah. to bury two people. Instead, everybody's laughing their ass off. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I mean, for that moment, you know, there should have been a moment there like like Star Trek Two, where he looks over at Spock's station and suddenly, oh my God, Spock's not here, you know? So he knows just through simple math that two people are dead. I would think he'd be concerned that one of those two people, if not both of them, or Kirk and, uh, I mean, excuse me, uh, Spock and McCoy. The two guys that he was probably the most worried about to begin with because they're his friends. I mean, granted, he's worried about everybody. They're all under his command. But come on. These were the guys yeah. that were closest to him. He's going to be concerned for them. So hearing that not everybody made it back, you'd think he'd like jump up out of his seat and be like, all right, well, I'm going who's, to the transporter. Who, who made some, it back? Or yeah. Who made it back? Exactly. Something. And it's not instead, a guessing game. You know, it's just like, all right, they're all here. And then like give them 30 seconds of like safe and sound. Right. You want to guess who they are? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. Well, it, they're they're just lucky. It's funny you said that this was a J.J. Abrams style where you had to turn your brain off. If this was J.J. Abrams' track, they're lucky that that Spock wouldn't have, like, snapped and killed them all when they started laughing at him. Because <laughs> look at this. This poor guy, it's his first command. All right, so he does what anybody what anybody who would have had that that assignment would have done. He pilots the shuttlecraft, or he, even he has somebody pilot the shuttlecraft to where they're supposed to go. You know that was his command: go here, take readings, come back. So they go there through no fault of his own. You know the the place has you know space radiation. Or something that Ionic <laughs> Liberty Blabber that screws everything up and makes everything on the shuttle go piss wacky. That's going to happen to whoever's commander. Meanwhile, though, everybody's like, oh, Mr. Spock, now we're going to die. And manages to find the only planet with breathable air and get, you know, save everybody by getting to that planet. And then figures out a way to get most of them, except for the guys who are, you know, being real pricks, off the planet and back home safe. And what do they do? They just, st everybody starts mocking him and laughing at him and, and pointing at him to his face. 
I know yep. I know that could have made me go postal. I was just gonna say that that's why office shootings happen yeah, right there. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> he just saved all, all these people. You know. And I mean McCoy and Scotty are sitting there. Scotty at least was, you know, backing him up backing him up, had his back, you know, the whole time. Scotty dessert can have a laugh at it, you know, comrade. But McCoy McCoy wrote his ass the whole time and spot and had considered them dead like four times you know in that mission and was there sitting on the bridge breathing air and going to have some sorry and brandy before he went to bed at night thank you would have been nice <laughs> you know good job smiley face on his on his refrigerator something you know <laughs> mr spock you were right hey mr spock not so bad Logic did sort of win out. No, no. Just like, what? Well, did you learn to be more like a human? No, you didn't, Mr. Spock. Ha, 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 And it would make me be like, screw you guys. I don't want to be more like a human if you're going to be jerks like this. <laughs> be jerky heads. <laughs> nah, everything you say is, is completely true. It's, it's absolutely right. If I was Mr. Spock, I'd be putting that in my little grudge book. Filing it all away on all of them. Kirk, whatever. Mm-hmm. Kirk doesn't know. Kirk was on the bridge the whole time, so if he wants to to go and put his arm around him and mock him, okay. <laughs> it's just like, oh, you pointy-eared freak. <laughs> Poor Spock. You silly saver of many lives. <laughs> you do have to wonder, though, you know, how many moments Spock had, you know, where he just would go back to his quarters after the end of something like this and just, you know, just cuss them all out, you know, just be so disgusted with all of them. <laughs> you know, just completely fed up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The human half of him must have been. Yeah. Ah. No one, yeah. No wonder he's so, you know, so dismissive and derisive, derisive of humanity when they talk to him and mock him for not being like them. <laughs> Plus, on top of that, you only get laid every seven years if you can make it to somebody who will do you. So, yeah, it's it's a recipe for disaster right there. You know. McCoy, as you say, is riding his ass the entire time, and you know they're in this life or death situation, mostly looking like it's going to be death. <laughs> and you know, Spot and McCoy keeps saying, "Then you know, can't you show a little bit of emotion?" And I'm thinking, no, actually, no, nope. you're you're probably best served in a situation like this not to be overly yes. emotional, trying to keep a clear head in a crisis situation. So actually, it's life or death from every angle, and the the clock is ticking so no time no time to be like you know mr spock what's the matter with your heart you know right. you know oh we have to give the... <laughs> think, think about any other scenario where you were in that scenario would you be like okay even if say you and i were um what was the one guy's gitano and the other what was the other guy's name with the b boma boma we were gitano and boma and uh and we're on the ship 
and you get you get a spear through your face. <laughs> I'm not gonna worry too much about your your funeral, you know, burying you. I'll give you know I'll give a great speech at your service, but it's like we gotta bury Scott. Why? So these guys just dig him up and drag him around, you know, later? What you know, whatever, man. I I didn't understand the whole like, you know, he has to have a burial. It's just like Yeah no. When you go you know, when you go out into the wilderness, sometimes you get dragged off and eaten by tigers, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the clock is ticking. It's like What's more important, you know, a dead person being buried or everybody else's lives? You know, is it like, is it like, okay, one person's dead, so now we all must die because we have to diddle around, diddle fart around finding rocks to pile over them? You know, it just doesn't. I don't know. Maybe I'm less sentimental than the crew. No, I mean, Spock makes that exact point to them, though, is that, you know, I, I I forget how he words it, but basically he's not trying to be hard hearted. But look, the, you know, it's time like you want to live. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The clock is ticking. We have a, a job to do here. If, you know, he makes the best point. He says, who's going to bury, you know, who's going to bury you? <laughs> right. We can bury him, but who's going to bury you? And that's like, that's an awesome point. It's mm-hmm. kind of an emotional point, too. Mm-hmm. And appeal to the emotions in a in a sort of sideways way, which is funny because that same sort of thing happens. Data has to pull the same almost exact move in the Next Generation episode this month. I noticed a lot of parallels. There's a lot of parallels. Yeah. It, we, it, I don't, and I swear to God that we picked the well, we picked the next the original series ones at random, and we really do pick them at random. There's only one of them that we've cheated on that we wanted to do at a certain time in the whole run, but the other other times it's all, and sometimes it really like, I mean it's Star Trek. You have a lot of running themes and stuff, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of parallels. And when you hear the the Next Generation episode, you'll you'll see it's just it's really strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed a, a whole bunch of them. You know, for the stories being pretty divergent, there yeah. sure were a lot of parallels between the two stories. I think the points as... of the two stories were different, but they had a lot of elements that were eerily similar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Eerily. Well, I don't know about you. That's pretty much all I've got on this one. All right. Well, I guess it's time. Speaking of randomly selected. Uh-oh. Turn on the old Star Trek computer. The trusty, rusty Star Trek computer. And it's spitting out... Oh, 71? Ooh. 71 is... Ooh, the Mark of Gideon. I don't think we've done that. We have not done that one. I don't remember that one very well. The, if if memory serves, I think that's the one where Kirk finds himself alone on the Enterprise. Oh, and, right. And with all the people out, he turns on the screen and there's all these like faces outside. 
Yeah, I think that's the one. That's a creepy one. It is a creepy one, and it has a, a, a fatal flaw that I'm going to have a field day talking about if it's the episode Fields. I'm thinking of. Yeah. Excellent. So tune in next time for the Mark of Gideon, and of course, tune in later on today or <laughs> whenever to the Next Generation episode. Real quick, before we go, I just want to mention, if anybody's wondering, what happened to the comics coverage? Uh, it'll be back next episode. I'm All right. trying to remember what the issue number is. I want to say it's number 40. That could be wrong. But anyway, it's, we're going to wrap up that uh, awesome Harry Mudd story that we started covering a couple episodes ago. Can't wait for that. Love but, uh, Harry Mudd. Oh, well, that's right. I almost forgot about that. It was Harry Mudd and yeah. the Wizard of Oz. Yes, yes. It was just a, it was a spellbinding humdinger. I can't wait to wrap that story up. But uh, essentially what we decided to do, uh, because we're trying to keep the comics of the Next Generation episodes concurrent with the, ep- with the episodes um, that were coming out at, at that time... So basically what we're doing with next gen is there'll be an episode and then the next, well, the, we, you know, we'll do an episode, discuss one episode of the show. And then the next episode we'll discuss an episode of the show and one comic. And then the next one will go back to just one. So it's, it's alternating all the time. I got to thinking, well, why don't we do that with the TOS episode? We'll alternate a comic every other episode so that essentially for Chris and us, just to make our, our lives a little bit easier, we'll always be doing between the two versions of star trek will be doing one episode of each show and one comic so one time it'll be the tos comic the next time it'll be the tng comic and then back and forth so just seemed to make a logical bit of sense i don't know if i explained it very well but that's essentially what we're looking at so just Ah, helps us they'll figure it out as yeah (laughs) as the months go by you'll catch on don't sweat it but that's essentially where we're at so uh that's what's going on so we're going to wrap this puppy up, and uh, and then we'll jump over to uh, TNG. So, yeah, as Chris said, come on over and join us. Uh, I think you'll enjoy the uh, TNG episode as well. And next time, the Mark of Gideon and a DC Star Trek comic. Mm-hmm. And write in, damn it. Write in and let us know what you think of the show. And drink your milk. <laughs> Hello, me Tarzan, Lord of the Apes, you listeners. Me do dedication this month for Star Trek Monthly Monday. Long distance dedication go out to giant ape-like men of Taurus II. Big silver box come and scare away food. Evil little hairless men come and hurt poor ape men looking for food. Tarzan watch Star Trek on box and hut. Jane make Tarzan watch. Tarzan whipped. This not about Tarzan, though. Tarzan no like men in floating ship and sky. Stupid men. This one go out to brave ape men searching for food. Song in protest of shocking poor brave ape men. Stupid men in skybox. This month Peter Gabriel sing Shock the Monkey. Genesis not the same since Peter Gabriel left. Stupid Phil Collins. 
love songs. Take it away, Casey. sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite Two True Freaks affiliated shows. Simply click the PayPal link on our website, donate any amount at all, tell us which show you're choosing and what message, if any, you'd like us to read on your behalf, and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode, with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy, and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. Visit our brand new website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Join our forum at forumforgeeks.com, where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. And hey, you can friend me, Scott Gardner, on Facebook, too. My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T-G-A-R-D-N-E-R. You can friend me on Facebook, too, if you can find me. Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts. See our website for details. Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the Comics Podcast Network. You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com, where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft. 
which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this. Hello, me Tarzan of the Apes. You, listeners, me do dedication this month for Star Trek Monthly Monday. Long dedication. Ah, 